Hello, and welcome to the Count Thread Podcast. My name is Lou, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm very excited to welcome you to this week's episode. Today's segments will be whips, brainstorming, and something extra. Alright, it's been a minute since I recorded, uh, by which I mean a month, (laughs) and uh, yeah, October got a little bit buck wild for me, and did not make the mid-month episode as planned, so we've got plenty to talk about today. Uh, So let's not waste any more time. So for my whips, I am really just going to talk about two things today. The first is the sweater I'm making for my mom. Now, as I'm recording this, my mom's birthday was three days ago, but I'm going to be going up to visit her in two weeks. So I have a little bit more time to get her sweater done, and I think we're in a really good place with it. The entire body is done, so the knitting is done, um, and that was done based on the May Drop Tea pattern, as I've mentioned before. And for the sleeves, I basically I picked up around the sleeves as written in the pattern, so I did that first round. And then I did one more round and then I bound off. I basically just wanted to have a little bit of a cleaner base to crochet the rest of the sleeve onto rather than trying to pick up stitches evenly with my crochet hook. In hindsight, I think it probably would have made more sense to just crochet around the armhole, but I'm not going to pull it out because I think, you know, six of one half dozen the other it'll be fine. And I've also made some pretty good progress on the sleeves themselves. So I am, let's call it halfway done with crocheting the granny squares that are the base of the sleeve. I have all of them done for one side, which is 16, and then I have four more um, that are ready for the other side but I haven't really woven in most of the ends. So we're gonna call that a nice halfway, a diplomatic halfway. So I sat down last night and did a little experimenting to try to figure out how I want to join the squares. And I couldn't really find exactly what I was looking for online. I think this is mostly because I was having a hard time getting the search terms right because I don't really know what to call what's happening in the original sweater. So after poking around a little bit, it's sort of a flat braid join, but not quite. So I'm improvising. Um, I zoomed in very far on some of the pictures and I'm doing my best. So I'm going to do a sort of join as you go, crochet the last round of the square as the mesh joining them situation. And I think I think that that should work. I'm not 100% sure what I'm gonna do about the corners. So there's something kind of funky going on on the original sweater that I can't quite, I can't quite, I can't quite see what they did. So that is gonna be even more improvised <laughs> than it already, than the rest of the sleeve already will be. But my, goal for this weekend, I'm recording on Friday afternoon, so my goal for this weekend 
is to get all of the squares crocheted and all their ends woven in. And that should definitely be achievable. But I should say that was my goal for Wednesday evening. It's just not grabbing me. It's I do not have a lot of interest in this project at this point. I'll be happy, you know, to have it done, to have a nice gift for my mom that she's excited about, but the actual making of it is just dragging on at this point. So I'm going to try to do this big push this weekend, and then I'll just have the joining left, and it should get done in time, and hopefully she'll love it. But let's talk about my other big whip, uh, which has definitely been stealing some of my attention from the sweater because I'm having so much more fun with it. And that is the Halloween quilt that I mentioned last month. I did in fact end up starting that even though I was not done with this sweater, but I only sort of regret that um, because like I said, it's been a great time so far. So the progression of this idea was originally I was thinking I wanted to do a coffin quilt and something I was looking at English paper piecing and there's the very popular kind of ring of coffin patterns and that wasn't really appealing to me and also I didn't really want to dive into another huge English paper English paper piecing project so soon after my last one so then I found a foundation paper piece block which I think I talked about last month and I was pretty excited about that and then I very quickly realized I did not want to make an entire quilt top worth of just those coffin blocks. So I started looking for other patterns and other blocks to incorporate. And where that led me, you can see in the show notes, if you'd like to take a look, is a somewhat chaotic looking grid of different blocks of diff with different measurements and frankly, not very compatible measurements that I have sort of forced into a grid and we're just going to hope for the best and try to make it work. So I started out just figuring out based on the measurements and you know what picture so to speak was on each block how I wanted them to be laid out and then I made my first set of blocks and started thinking about it a little more and I wanted to make sure that the colors were going to be relatively balanced throughout the quilt. So there's a second image, which is a sort of mediocre drawing of the blocks all together. And then I've gone through and kind of labeled, okay, I want this ghost to be white with a black background. I want this bat to be black with white. And some of these skulls are going to have purple and some are, will have black, etc. Trying to make sure that everything is sort of spread out and balanced well. So that first set of blocks that I made were the ghosts. There are seven of them, three with a purple background and four with a black background. These were made using a pattern from Etsy from the shop Ellison Hakes, which has a whole bunch of these different, I think mostly kind of seasonal quilt blocks. They come in six inch and 12 inch squares and I made the 12 inch version. So I did that over one weekend a few weeks ago. And then the next week, I wanted to keep going and thoroughly ignore my sweater. So I ended up doing all of the cutting for both the bats and the skulls that weekend. 
because I was I wasn't sure if I was going to have enough white fabric for what I was planning so I wanted to get all of the white skulls cut out before I did the white backgrounds for the bats because I felt a little more flexible about that and I got those all cut out and then put the bats together that weekend so there are again seven of those which are all black on a white background and then over several evenings I, I didn't try to marathon these like I did with the first two sets I also finished these skulls and there are once again seven of those four with purple backgrounds and three with black and those were pretty tricky oh I sorry I did not say the bat pattern came from Center Street quilts and then this skull pattern is from April Rosenthal and the skulls were tricky they had some very small pieces down to three quarter inch squares there are some points where there's so much seam allowance built up in one spot that it kind of feels as hard as a rock and i really struggled with the teeth and getting kind of the precision seam allowance so that everything worked out evenly and they're not perfect none of these blocks are perfect but i think that they're very cute and spooky and fun so i'm really happy with how they've turned out so far so going forward i have of course the original block that started this whole process the coffin block from in color order and i'm thinking that if i am if i'm good quote unquote this weekend and get my all of my granny squares done that i can start working on these coffin blocks this weekend but we'll see about that and then I have a whole bunch of pumpkins to make, a whole mess of them. And I'm going to be using a set of patterns from Fig Tree and Company, which gives you pumpkins in three different sizes that were very useful in sort of slotting together to make my grid work out. And then finally, there are, there are a few areas that I marked off as filler. And I'm going to wait and do this at the end and see how the general layout is looking and then decide what I want to do for those. So I have some of the fabric that I have is pretty large print, so it hasn't really been helpful for the blocks that I've made so far, but potentially could work well as little patches of filler. And then beyond that, I'm thinking I'll either do some just very simple blocks to fill in those spaces, or I'll use the technique from Sarah Goer quilts for some scrappy pumpkins where you basically just make a little pumpkin at the center and then build the block out until it's as big as you want so that potentially will be useful for some of those areas as well so in terms of the fabric that I'm using I have a fat quarter bundle which I got at a quilt fest back in February which sort of started this whole thing and it is from Riley Blake Designs, and it's called Bad to the Bone by My Mind's Eye. And there are 21 fat quarters in this. So there are seven different prints that basically come in black, orange, and white with a little, you know, gray and some variation in there. I actually haven't really broken into that bundle that much so far, which is a little silly, but I have been pulling a lot from leftovers from a couple different projects. So I have 
the first quilt top I ever made, which was a super basic pattern, just a big rectangles put together in a bunch of different Halloween prints, um, just, just, you know, from Joanne. And I've ha I had some, some decent chunks left from that. And then I also have uh, most of the purple is coming from the wedding quilt I made for my brother and sister-in-law last year, which was all purple, black, white, and gray. So the most of my purples are coming from that, and I've gotten a good amount of my white prints from that as well. And then I have, I have used a bit of this bundle so far, the spider web and some polka dot fabric. Has, has, yeah, I've used a little bit of it. But I think I think most of that will go into the pumpkin blocks and getting some orange um, prints in there because I haven't used any orange so far. And then the rest of it, I think, might end up pieced for the backing because I have a few chunks that I've set aside that are, you know, big enough pieces that I'm thinking will be helpful for the backing. Then a few, I have a few other things that I've added to this pile uh, from from the fabric I got from my grandma and a couple of other things. So it's theoretically going to be kind of cohesive because of this collection, but there's also a bunch of other stuff in there. So we'll see. I hope it turns out well because I'm at, like I said, I'm having a ton of fun making it. And I mean, I, I love Halloween and the spooky and like, like cute spooky stuff so much that this would absolutely be a year-round quilt for me. So I'm really excited to keep working on it once I'm done with the sweater. And yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see how it uh, starts to come together a little bit more. All right, let's move on to brainstorming. Like I said, I've not really been enjoying working on the sweater all that much. So I definitely have been fantasy knitting quite a bit and thinking about other things that I would like to be working on instead. The number one thing here is I want to return to my whips that have not been getting any love for the past probably month and a half. And that is the Toronto Afghan and the uh, head sock, the ribbed beanie that I started probably, I think in August. Um, as I, I think I said in the last episode, there's nothing wrong with either of these projects. I just have been so focused on primarily the sweater and now the quilt a little bit as well. And I still, I still want to make those projects and I still want to get those, get that yarn used up. So that's sort of number one in my mind. Uh, for once I'm done with the sweater. I'm also starting to think about gift knitting and generally what, what I will be giving to my family for the holidays. And uh, my mom is definitely going to get something store-bought <laughs> because she's getting this sweater for her birthday. And I think I can figure something out for my brother and sister-in-law as well. So I think probably I'm going to prove myself wrong, maybe even by the next episode. But right now, I think the only gift knitting I'm going to do is for my dad. So quite a while ago in, I guess my junior year of high school, I made my dad a beanie for Christmas and I used 
probably um like Patton's classic wool like the wool yarn from Michael's kind of thing and it's just like a super basic a little bit of ribbing a bunch of stockinette it's a hat so I don't usually make a ton of stuff for my dad just because the types of gifts that he wants or that, you know that will be useful to him are not the type of things that I can make so you know I'll get him a book or something like that or make make him some homemade checks mix he does love that but I made him this beanie way back in the day and I believe he wore it um, where he lives right now it gets some snow but it's not generally cold enough that he puts a hat on but I think if he did he put that hat on I'm not really 100% sure but that that sucker is really old at this point and it's not machine washable so I don't know honestly it may have been felted like three years ago and I just don't know and so I, I would like to make him a new beanie a nicer beanie a better beanie especially because my parents will be moving to somewhere more rural in the next few months and I think he will in general be spending more time outside and will maybe want to have a better hat. So I've put another hat, another hat on my list for some reason as if I haven't made enough hats recently, but I ended up buying a fourth skein of Cascade cotton socks for my mom's sweater which was the right call. Um, I would have definitely lost yarn chicken, but I'm not going to need, need all that much of that fourth skein. So I think the rest of that is going to go into the hat for my dad since it is a machine washable yarn and it's black, which no matter how you slice it is the best option for him. And I think I'll be able to make something a little bit nicer and hopefully he'll get some use out of it. I'm also hoping, just on the topic of gifts and them moving, I'm also hoping to make some kind of probably cross stitch, kind of depicting like the outside of their new house and you know it's like a little home sweet home kind of thing just because they'll be moving around the holidays I think a bit after but I think that that would just be nice. So that's also sort of on my radar. Um, but I need to get some pictures of what their house, um, of, what, of what the new house will look like so that I can kind of plot that out. And then finally, for brainstorming, I have been thinking about puff quilts. And I think, I don't, I'm not plugged in enough to know if these are actually trendy or if I've just been, been seeing them because I've been thinking about them, um, which I can never remember what the name of that bias is. But in any case, I think these are maybe popular right now, but I especially want to make one because, well, for two reasons. The first is that I love to be on the floor. That's kind of my go-to if I'm stressed, I want to relax, or I just want to curl up but not actually be in bed, is I have a little nest on the floor with a couple, uh, with a couple blankets and some pillows. And I just get cozy in there and I didn't realize I didn't know I had reached this point but apparently I've reached the point where I can no longer just spend a bunch of time on the floor with no consequences in terms of my body so I've been thinking about you know wanting to add a little extra cushioning to my nest 
and a puff quilt I think would do pretty nicely for that. And secondly, I have quite the collection going of cabbage and bits of yarn ends and different things that I have sort of been saving for something like this, something that I wanted to stuff. And I would love to start kind of using some of that up and getting it into some puffs. Even if I don't do the whole quilt as at once, I think I'd like to maybe get it rolling. So this will definitely be happening after I finish my Halloween quilt so that I know what I have left over and you know what is available and I don't accidentally uh, use something up that I that I really need for my pumpkins or something. But that is also sort of floating in my mind. So for something extra, I'm going to stick with my pattern from the past couple of months and do a little uh, reading list of what I have read in October. So the first book that I finished, I, I was, I think, already reading when I recorded the last one of these. Um, so I finished it pretty quickly after that. And that was Bullet Train by Kotaro Isaka. And you may be familiar with the movie that came out last year with um, Brad Pitt and Joey King and some other famous people, I think. Uh, and I really, really loved the movie and sort of did not realize it was based on a book until a few watches in when I showed, I showed it to my siblings somewhat recently and finally noticed the part in the credits where it said based on the book by Kodaro Isaka. And I was like, oh, okay. So the book is actually part of a series. It's the second book in a series, I think called The Assassins. And I am not planning on reading the rest of the books in the series. I really enjoyed reading Bullet Train, but I think that that was enough for me. I, you know, I got what I wanted out of it. And I thought it was, it, it was really fun because there are some, there are some really interesting differences between the book and the movie. And so there were some things that, you know, I knew about and were not, you know, a twist or surprise. And there are some things that, that came almost completely out of nowhere. So I think that it, if you liked the movie, I think it's worth reading and there'll be, you know, some of the stuff that you love and some of the stuff that, and some other things that are completely new. There's a weird subplot with, because this book was, came out, the well, the English translation came out in 2010, I think. Um, so it's a little on the older side. And there is a... <laughs> So there's, there's a character that, you know, the, the main characters in their different POV chapters kept referring to as like a cross-dresser or a man in a dress who I think is supposed to just be like a trans woman. Um, and so like that part of it was a little weird and not as fun to read, but I think, you know, with a grain of salt, I think that this is a pretty fun book. So then next on my list is the Binti Trilogy by Nettie Okorafor, which is an omnibus collection of a few short stories that sort of add up to about the length of a novel, um, but definitely not the pacing of a novel. And overall, I 
really enjoy this. I thought, you know, conceptually, thematically, I thought it was really great. The pacing did throw me a little bit. Maybe, I don't know if I had maybe taken a pause between each of the stories and sort of digested them on their own. I think that probably would have helped. But in any case, it's a very cool sci-fi uh, sci-fi setting. And there's a lot about kind of violence and interspecies contact and whether that has to inevitably be violent. There's a like sort of social and racial class kind of component and also just some of the more kind of basic coming of age components and how those interact with the like kind of buckwild situation that the main character Binti ends up in. Um, I would definitely recommend this as well. I thought it was really cool, but yeah, maybe take those pauses and see if the pacing hits you a little better. I have also read the second two books in the Scholomance series by Naomi Novik, which are The Last Graduate and The Golden Enclaves. And I talked uh, in the last episode about the first book, Deadly Education, and the second two I would, you know, give just as or an even more glowing recommendation. They were really, really incredible. I just actually just finished The Golden Enclaves a couple nights ago, and it, ooh, it wrecked me, but like in a good way. I don't want to say a ton about them. Um, I just thought that they were really, they were really beautiful and sort of hit me, hit me in a place. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend those as well. Then uh, Victoria Goddard, who I've talked about quite a bit on the podcast before, uh, released another short story in the Lays of the Hearthfire series called The Game of Courts, and I loved it. It was great. was both exactly what I was hoping it would be and also so much better in a way that I could not have imagined for myself. Yeah, I will continue to sing Victoria Goddard's praises in every context that I can. And then for something completely different, I also read How to Invent Everything, a survival a survival guide for the stranded time traveler by Ryan North. And this was a lot of fun, but in a very different way. So the premise of this book is that you are from some point later in the 2000s in a society that has single like single person rental time machines for basically tourism. This this book is supposed to be the repair manual that comes with the time machine, except as soon as you open it, the, the repair manual says, there are no serviceable parts, sorry about that. Go to the next page so you can figure out what to do next. And so then the actual bulk of the book is a sort of step-by-step -step instruction guide on how to rebuild civilization with a capital C. And it really starts from, well, it starts with a flow chart so you can try to figure out where you are or when you are more appropriately. And, and then from there, it's like, okay, do you need to develop spoken language? Do you need to develop written language? Do you have good numbers and good math systems yet? And it goes all the way down to how to make butter or how to make turbines and how do airplanes work? And 
all of these different things. So it covers a really wide breadth of sort of social and cultural things, very technological things, different, it gives an overview of different philosophy systems and all this, all this stuff. But the whole book is super, super funny. It's uh, very tongue in cheek. And I, I read a couple months back to be or not to be, which is a basically a choose your own adventure version of Hamlet, which was also written by Ryan North. And the tone and the voice is definitely uh, carries through in this book as well, even though it's super different. Yeah, it was a real, it was a really good time. And it, I didn't really feel like any of the sections outstayed their welcome ever. There, you know, there was never a point where I was like, "Ugh, I really just don't care about this anymore." Like it moves at a pretty good, pretty good pace and kind of gives you enough to be interested and, I guess, plausibly able to act on its instructions without getting super bogged down in anything. So it was a really great time. And then lastly for this month, I read The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo. And I talked about her book, The Siren Queen, last month. But this is the book that I actually sort of became familiar with Nevo's work from because it got a lot of, I, I saw it get passed around a lot online at the be like end of 2020 into the beginning of 2021 when everyone was super excited because it's like oh the great gatsby is going to the public domain and you know we can all get like real nasty with it and do some really cool things and seeing people go like yeah nevo already did that her book's coming out it's called the chosen and the beautiful and in it she takes jordan baker the like really uninteresting side character or I guess under underdeveloped side side character. Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald did her dirty, uh, but but Nevo saw that and said, "Don't worry, I'll fix it," and she did. She turned Jordan Baker into one of the most interesting characters I think I've read in a really long time. In this version, she was adopted by a white missionary who is in Vietnam and stole her uh, from her family actually she was told she was like, rescued but she later kind of figures out that she it was not uh, consensual and she's sort of brought into the high society kind of rich lifestyle that we see her in in Gatsby but in this version everything's just a little different so there's a kind of dark magic system a lot like in Siren Queen and like Jay Gatsby got his his wealth and his mansion and his ability to throw these lavish parties by selling his soul and you know there's running in tandem with the like anti-immigration movements of the time are these like anti-demon movements and it's all of course very queer so Jordan is navigating this like very complicated dynamic between Gatsby and Daisy and Nick Carraway and Tom Buchanan and all of the people who Jordan knows and has relationships with that are, you know, not from the Great Gatsby directly. And 
yeah, it was one of those books where I kind of felt like it like broke my brain open a little bit. It was so, so, so captivating. And yeah, I'm <laughs> kind of immediately like, okay, and what else is Nemo written? What else can I read? Let me get on that. Yeah, she's, she's definitely like rocketing to being one of my favorite authors right now as well. All right. So we've got a nice chunky episode this week, and I will hopefully be back two weeks from now as originally scheduled, but um, things are probably going to stay a little hectic for me for definitely for November and maybe into December as well. So I won't give a, a solid promise on that, but I will. But I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you at some point soon. Have a good one.